It's the Australian Cycling Insider Podcast. I'm Jamie Finch-Penninger. Hello and welcome to the Australian Cycling Insider Podcast. Uh, We have a blockbuster episode today i'm happy to say we're previewing the giro rosa and with us we have some very special guests we have lucy kennedy of mitchell and scott hello lucy how you doing hey jamie yeah doing well thanks good to have you back on the podcast it's been a been a while i feel that <laughs> since your last appearance i'd say last podcast was pre pro <laughs> Gosh, that okay. That seems like a very long time ago now. But anyway, um, we'll get to other know, other guest. Yeah. We'll get to our other guest, um, Belinda McLeod, who and probably your pre-pro days, Lucy, were before Belinda started following cycling. But uh, Belinda, welcome to welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Introducing Belinda to um, people who may not know her. She is a uh, a Twitter star these days um, with videos on Twitter, and she's do- doing her current rookie recaps of the Tour de France, and is a um, a famous member of the Couch Peloton um, that follows SBS races. And I think I think possibly your star turn was the Couch Peloton um, guide to the Tour de France, where you were um, you're very funny in those videos. They were a lot of fun. <laughs> So basically the idea behind this podcast is to introduce um, people to the Giro Rosa. It's a great race, one that's very prestigious within the women's peloton, but it hasn't necessarily had a lot of exposure in the past because there's essentially very little in the way of highlights of the race and it's it's hard, it's impossible to watch live and um, hard to watch even after the fact. But um, we've got some, uh, (laughs) so we've got, the expert in Lucy Kennedy, who's ridden the race before, has been very good there in the past. And we've got the uh, novice in Belinda. Sorry, sorry, Belinda, to uh, take take us uh, take us um, into into the race and give us a more grounded perspective on what it's like. I'll just give you the basic details of the race. It's um, commonly referred to as the Women's Grand Tour. This year, it's nine stages, and it's going to be by far the longest race on the women's um, revamped schedule for 2020. It's uh, nine stages, all of them very hard. I was just going through the profiles ahead of ahead of this um, podcast, and I had to remind myself of exactly how hard it was, and it's pretty brutal. All the stages pretty much involve some sort of climbing, and with the way the racing's been going in recent times, that means that we should um, come to the finish with, you know, very reduced um, groups um, contesting it out at the end. So, we'll we'll start off with um, with Lucy. You're participating at the Giro Rosa. How has your sensations been coming into this race um, with Mitchell and Scott? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, been a very different lead-in to the Giro, to what we usually have. I mean, that's just 2020's big difference completely. But um, I do often have a big training block going into the Giro. I usually, the last couple of years, I've gone up to altitude. This year, I have stayed at sea level, um, partly just with all the uncertainty around travel and also the last races I did. I've, and I, get, I haven't raced a lot um, since I came back, I did a little block in Spain and Italy and I actually didn't cope very well with the heat. So I thought I'd actually be better off um, staying in the heat wave and doing some heat training instead of altitude training, which I did. I've had a huge month of training, probably the biggest month of training I've ever done, feeling super strong. So hopefully that translates into good racing. Yeah, I suppose um, the balance is being super strong versus super tired. How, how, do, how are you managing that coming into the, it's about a week out now? Uh, no, no, I think, um, well, I won't know until next week, but 
I think we've got the balance pretty right. This next week is really, um, it's like day on, day off. And um, it's, you know, getting super tired isn't just about the physical aspect of training really hard. Like often when we're racing a lot and traveling a lot, also the mental strain that that takes um, contributes to feeling tired. Um, so I haven't had that, but I've been in one place and been um, sort of, yeah, comfortable in my surroundings and basically just focused on training. So, and with a lack of racing, just excited to, to do a big block of it. So no, I think we've got the balance right. Um, Belinda, let's bring you in here. Um, what, what's been your impression of this race in the past? Have you, have you heard too much about it in the past and uh, maybe ask some questions for Lucy about what you'd be most interested in learning about it? I haven't seen nearly enough of women's racing as I would like to and certainly not the Giro Rosa. So I'm super excited to be able to see some of it this year. Um, questions, so many questions. <laughs> Specifically about the Giro Rosa, I hear it starts with a team time trial, which is one of my favourite things to watch. Um, how are you feeling about that, Lucy? Uh, to be honest, TTTs make me pretty nervous. I find there's more pressure in a TTT than an ITT because, you know, there's five other people depending on you. And when you're doing a TTT with the um, multiple time time trial world champion um, <laughs> and a bunch of really other strong time trialists, it's not easy at all. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> it doesn't look easy at all. <laughs> so, I mean, this one is, is very non-technical and it's not particularly long. So maybe that makes me a little e feel a little easier about it. But having said that, I also haven't spent much time at all on my time trial bike. The um, four months I had in Australia, I didn't have my time trial bike. So it's been a very limited um, build up to it. But I mean, the way the TTT is, it's not. It's really not going to make or break the tour. So it's not. It's not the be all and end all. You know, if we lose a bit of time, we lose a bit of time. You're not going to lose huge chunks of time in a 17k flat time trial. So. Yes, there's pressure, but we're trying not to put too much pressure on it. Um, are you having any uh, flashbacks to last year? I mean, I remember um, Grace Brown, um, for instance, might not remember it with too much um, uh, fond memory. She was having a very rough time during that TT. And uh, if, if you want to go back, go back and check out the backstage pass video from that because it's, it's worth it. But poor Grace on that one, she, uh, she was physically sick, I think, a few times on that one. <laughs> Yeah, definitely have a watch of that one. Um, no, I actually, that was probably the, my favourite TTT I've ever done. Um, <laughs> yeah, because there was so much climbing, you know, you're actually not, you're not sort of in TT position in formation all that much. It was it was less about the, the time trial bike and more about the climbs and, um, you know, it, you're limited by your fourth rider. So, in fact, for, for me, it was not, that physically difficult because um, I probably couldn't climb faster. But um, it, yeah, it was it was an interesting one. It was really uh, I've never done a TTT like that. I probably never will again. I'm hearing it's very uphillish, which is my rookie phrasing of how I see it. Um, so that obviously plays more into your wheelhouse. You're talking about the Giro as a whole. Yes. Yep. Um, yeah, it is. I would say. The rumours before the route was announced that it would be possibly less difficult than previous years because of how close it is to the World Championships. I don't think that that is the case. <laughs> I don't think it's easier. I think it's possibly less mountainous 
That's not to say it's less hilly. There's not, it doesn't have so much in the way of really long, hard climbs. Um, there's a lot of elevation and there's a lot of other things that make it really difficult. There's some really long stages. There's a 168 kilometer stage, stage four, which is really long for us in any race, let alone in a nine stage race. Um, and that's, I think, followed uh, after 140 or something. It's a really long, really long, and there are no easy stages. Um, so it's hard. It's it's climbing and it's hard. Yeah. Yeah, I was doing a bit of um, research into the course and I couldn't find a longer stage than that 170 or 168 kilometre one that you mentioned there um, in, the tu- in the tour's history. Um, I would be very, very surprised. Um, I don't think I've ever raced that long. I think, I think that will be my longest ever race. The Tour of Norway often has some long stages and there's definitely been some in the one, possibly in the 160s. It's rare. It's very rare. And the uh, Women's Tour also has some very long stages, but I've never done the Women's Tour. Yeah. So, how do they, how do they uh, get away with that? Because that's beyond um, the um, recommended limit um, by the UCI, uh, isn't it? I believe it's to do with average stage length in a tour. And even so, the average stage length for sure is longer than it has been Last year we had some really short stages. It was kind of like, come on. And so they've um, taken that on board, I guess. <laughs> gone, gone the opposite way, maybe. Yeah. What are the, what are the other stages that um, really stand out to you in this one? I mean, I'm, I'm looking through them and there's a lot of very punchy finishes um, where it's, you know, not, not flat, certainly. There's like medium mountains beforehand, but then they finish on those really sort of quick punchy climbs into the finish. Um, is that what you're um, looking to for, you know, say, Anamique or yourself to maybe attack, or Spratty, of course, to attack into one of those? Uh, we'll see. We haven't gone into details of um, any tactics yet, and I probably wouldn't say them here anyway. It's, uh, I would say it's a bit, like last year there were a couple, a couple of really long hilltop finishes. We don't, there's what, I think stage seven or eight is there is a really hard climb right near the end and so that that's probably the the biggest opportunity for big time gaps on gc um a couple of these other shorter hilltop finishes yes there'll be differences but they won't be huge so unlike last year you can't rely on hard stage finishes to make the difference i think there'll be less finishes with just ones and twos coming in uh, so the differences will be smaller or need to be made up elsewhere, also being no individual time trial. So I think it, it'll possibly be a closer all-round general classification, possibly. I mean, there's there's the, the possibility that it could be closer overall. Yeah, these, these punchy finishes of, you know, one or two K climbs at the end, you know, provide opportunities for people, um, but probably may or may not make the GC. Have you been able to train together as a team? I've kind of lost track where everybody is. We tend not to. We have had a look at a couple, okay. of, a couple of the stages together. Sure. We'll come together. We, we'll go in early to do some TTT practice. But um, no, we generally, we don't train a lot together. A few of us are based here where I am in Girona and we train together a little bit, but we sort of all have our own programs and coaches. So we don't tend to really train together that much. Has COVID um, precautions made things um, a bit different from that perspective in terms of training and I suppose going into like a TTT? I mean, most of that is preparation and getting together on your on your time trial bikes. Yeah, I mean, uh, when we get to the race, you're very much in the team bubble. So you're going to be in close proximity to your teammates and you know, we will have all been tested twice before we get in there. So 
by the time you get into the team bubble, you feel pretty comfortable being in close proximity to your teammates. But when you're uh, just general training and life, I definitely keep my bubble pretty small, um, especially, you know, cases are really on the rise in Europe, particularly in Spain. So you just got to take all the precautions you can. What is the feeling over there? Because it kind of varies in Australia depending on where you are. Uh, it is quite bizarre being here, but also keeping a really close eye on what's going on in Australia, just the, the, the different ways that it's being approached. I mean, here there's, you know, thousands of cases a day and we're pretty much going about life as usual. I mean, there are restrictions, but they're not really restrictions that affect me. It's like you're not allowed to go to nightclub until 5 a.m. You know, <laughs> or you can't have more than 10 people to your house. It's like, well, I don't have 10 friends. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, but yeah, people go to cafes and restaurants and I mean, everyone's wearing a mask. Like, it's completely normal to wear a mask. Like, become, wearing a mask has just become completely normal. There's sanitizer at every door. I think, you know, people sort of take it seriously and take all the precautions, but also just get on. So you must have noticed the difference coming back to Australia than back over to Europe in there. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, in Brisbane, you know, things were... But and then even watching what goes on, it's just like, oh, there's an outbreak and there's five, there's five cases in this cluster and, you know, we have to, you know, no more than 10 people in a house. It's like, wow. Um, <laughs> just that, you know, it's, a, it's obviously a different approach by different governments and different priorities, but it's just interesting to see the two extremes. You would have experienced both extremes, I think. Oh, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so jumping back into the racing now, um, we we uh, we were actually recording before the team announcement, but um, I guess we can we can get a bit of an idea from you what the team's going to look like. Uh, oh, actually, can I guess it? Let's have a, let's have a go. Um, so we're taking Anna Meek, uh, Am- Amanda, Amanda Sprout, sorry, Anna Meek Van Vluten. Um, who else? Grace Brown. Let's see, Yannicka uh, Ensing. And ooh, last one, oh, Lucy, of course. And how about Georgia Williams for the final one? How, how did I do? Oh, uh, I think you got what's sixty-six uh, percent. <laughs> so not great. <laughs> not great. Yannicka had a, a very uh, serious injury. Um, she crashed in Spain and had a very serious um, collarbone and shoulder injury. So she's only just getting back on the road. So she's a no. I guess the team has been announced before this, so I can talk about this. Um, so Yannicka was out for that reason, not Georgia. Georgia's not riding. We have Monique Teniglow, the trusty Dutch domestic, and we have Sarah Roy. So very strong team for um, different scenarios. Um, I think it's a really well-grounded team. Pretty similar to last year, very similar to last year's team. Is it the same as last year's Possibly. Sure, why not? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, as you say, a very strong team, and you've got uh, obviously Anamik and um, Amanda who have been right up there on the general classification before. Um, it's it's actually quite interesting um, the way things have played out with um, the season restart because we're getting like transfer news at the moment. So we know that Anamik is moving on to Movistar, and yep. uh, we know that Amanda has re-signed with Mitchell and Scott. I don't. I, I doubt that would play into too much into your tactics in the Giro Rosa. But can you reflect on 
um, Anamik being such a great rider with Mitchell and Scott and with um, your, you know, during your entire time with the team and Amanda kind of um, developing into that um, leadership role as well. Yeah, I mean, to have had the opportunity to ride with Anamik for the last few years is pretty awesome. You know, um, she's kind of in a league of her and she's really, um, she's, she's changed women's cycling, I think. Um, so to have been her teammate and ride for her and ride with her and learn from her has been a pretty incredible experience. And, um, you know, there's absolutely no hard feelings about her moving on from the team. She's got good reasons. And, yeah, it, it hasn't changed our approach to the Giro. It's um, pretty obvious that Anamika is the best rider in the world at the moment. So she's uh, – and we're going for the, the hat trick. But, yeah, it's also been really cool to watch Spruddy. I think actually since I've been in the team is um, – kind of coincides with when Spratty's really stepped up to that next level, you know, with her world championship medals and um, really being in the mix in the GC and races like the Giro. That's been really cool to see and just to think back, like how long Spratty has been doing this and she's just the absolute epitome of, you know, perseverance and hard work and where that can lead you. Can we talk about women's racing? I think I know I've asked you this before, Lucy, um, but... As a fan watching from the other side of the fence and really enjoying the racing and but wanting to support it and wanting to do my part in um, yeah promoting and supporting women's racing, any tips on how we might do that? I mean, it's just, it's so explosive and it's, yeah. I've never seen a race that I've found boring. Yeah, how I mean, can we I support mean, I, you better? I don't know. I wish. Well, I mean, it, it's it's hard for you guys without if there were the if there was the races to watch, it would be easy to promote the races and get people to watch. I think as soon as people watch a race or two, they're going to understand it. So yeah. that's kind of the difficulty is getting um, getting the races live, um, or at least you know in full or closer to full replays or highlights or yeah, it's kind of what comes first though what comes first the coverage or the the interest and there, there is interest there's it's building it's slowly building and you get that feedback all the time when people when there is a, a race on tv and people watch it there people are continually surprised by how awesome the racing is like yeah well that's that's just not not just that race that's every race um <laughs> it is it is every race yeah. so yeah whenever there is coverage we need everyone to tell them like just even just telling one other person sending them the link yeah that's the other thing the it's even sometimes when there when there is a race it's not always on you know a really mainstream media so if you can you know dig out the link from the depths of twitter and uh, <laughs> I can do that. Um, yeah, so it, it's sharing. It's um, yeah, it's that. It's not. Yeah, even when it when it is there, it's not always easy to find. So we need to make it. We need to make it easier for the public to watch it. I think it can help if you um, if you speak um, Belgian or Dutch as well. I, find, I found when you find some of those um, sort of illicit streams. Yeah, I do a lot of watching races. Uh, yeah, I watch a lot of races with Dutch commentary. And- I get lecker. That's about it. <laughs> I get zero. <laughs> but, well, you know, I can kind of figure out what's going on. You can hear the names. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's some things you can pick up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, I can do that. I can share links. That I can do. No, what you do will endure is great. We just need more people like you. <laughs> 
Well, I won't turn down my fangirl. <laughs> I'll just keep going. It's uh, probably worth noting at this point that um, SBS will be broadcasting the highlights from the Giro Rosa. So it's an hourly daily show um, starting uh, the day after the race starts. So it'll be the 12th of September that they'll have it on and we'll have highlights on the website as well. Um, unfortunately, it's during the Tour de France. So ho- ho- we're going to hope that it doesn't get too swamped by Tour, Tour de France mania. But um, certainly we'll be promoting it and um, making sure that everything goes out well and hopefully we get some Australian wins and uh, maybe Annemiek getting up there as well. That'd be, that'd be good to see for Mitchell and Scott. It's on a, a nice time though. It's in the afternoon, isn't it? Yes, that's, the, um, that's when the highlights go up. And uh, I appreciate that as a cycling fan, that it's not on at 1am. <laughs> so I'm very excited about that. Well, the, racing, the racing's on pretty late, um, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah, yes, but so. the highlights. So we'll probably we'll probably be giving updates throughout the um, throughout the stage on Twitter and saying who's going well. So, yeah. Um, speaking of um, the racing, what were your memories of the Giro, Lucy? I mean, <laughs> I don't I don't want to drag up too many painful memories, but um, there there were scenes last year. There are, there are painful memories from the last two years. And uh, well, and, and very <laughs> and very good memories as well, obviously. Yeah, the Giro's been quite a roller coaster for mm. me. I mean, 2018 was kind of a year to forget. Well, it was a roller coaster year, but I mean, I'd had a very serious crash at Amstel Gold in April of 2018 and then spent three months rehabbing and getting back to the fittest I'd ever been to return for the Giro, only to crash and break another collarbone on stage four. So that was um, my first Giro. I didn't make it through it. And then, so I returned last year and yeah, I mean, but I like, yeah, it was a really good duo. We won. I came second on a stage and I, you know, if you didn't know the story behind that second place, you'd think that was a really good result, but <laughs> yeah, it's still my first world tour podium. So yeah. To be fair, Lucy, I think that's when I started becoming a big fan. <laughs> I was just... Yeah, I mean, look, it made um, it made primetime TV in Australia. I mean, if that's what if that's what I've got to do to get women cycling on primetime TV in Australia, um, you know, take one for the team. Yeah, thanks. I was like, <laughs> oh, she's from Brizzy. Right, I'm on board. Show me more women cycling. So you know, some wins. Yeah. yeah. Well. Yeah, well, for for those we've been talking about it, talking around it, sort of thing. But Lucy, you, you, you did you did a you did a great attack um, on that on the finale of that stage. I think you were you were out front for was it twenty five something like something like that kilometers. I'm going off the top. No, 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 no. It was that far? just the final. No, it was just the final climb. It was like I don't know five k. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, and um, and, then you, and then be absolutely killing yourself, and then you're coming into that little rise to the line, and little cobbled rise, yeah, yeah, and <laughs> uh, the peloton's chasing you down, but it looked like you had a big gap, and then Marion Ross just, you know, launched, and I mean, it's quite dramatic on the video, um, but yes, it it, it was, um, it was, and I think it got clipped into YouTube highlights as well, um, sort of mainstream ones, so you're getting like millions of views from that. Uh, but maybe yeah. not. But maybe not. Um, maybe not what you'd prefer to be known by. Maybe your San Sebastian win would be um, something you'd be a bit more happy about. Um, more people knowing about. Yeah, the San Sebastian was a nice comeback for that. But definitely still, if you Google my name or images, San Sebastian's a fair way down. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, speaking of speaking of which, if you Google Lucy's name, you you find some of her rider diaries, probably probably on the Australian Cycling Insider. Um, she's um, written one so far, and maybe maybe some more in the future. But it was it was interesting. I was rereading that just coming into this, and um, you're talking a bit about um, coming back from those crashes in 2018 and becoming more confident on the bike as well. How how has that process gone? I mean, you seem to you seem to be going. Uh, just as well as ever out on the road but I mean how does that work out within the peloton as well like it's always going to be a challenge for me um having not grown up on a bike it's it's just not doesn't come naturally to me at all and I'm not a I'm competitive but I'm not a I'm not a fighter like I'm not a physical fighter so I don't I don't like the jostling and the you know that side of it so it's it's not natural for me to push up and fight position so it's something I have to really um work on and actually I find like last year particularly Giro by stage 10 I was um positioning the best I ever had so it kind of um it takes me a little bit of racing to get into that mindset no I I, I do feel a lot more confident on the, on the bike and in the peloton than I used to and I've done a lot of work on it I've worked with a skills coach and I've got really you know my uh, directors and teammates are all really supportive and help me so yeah, it's a work in. Pro- it will always be a work in progress, but it's it's going in the right direction. Is there anything uh, else that you're working on? So a new skill that you want to brush up on, or so I get um, the feeling it's a continual process of just improving in. Uh, yeah, it's as much as anything about you know I've I've worked on the physical skills with the coach and I know how to do these things and I can do them. It's a it's really a it's really a practice thing and you can only practice it in a race really so. <laughs> hopefully some race days coming up yeah. today <laughs> it's been it's been quite a successful season for you already i mean you've got a herald sun to a victory under your belt and um you're part of those um animique wins um when she went on that incredible run of uh, what was it four four race wins in a row there against like the best <laughs> the best in the world um yeah. so how's the how's the personal um how's the personal form at the moment uh, well, as I, uh, I think it's good. Like tra- it's been really, you know, my numbers are really good in training. The races when I first came back, those the races that basically animate one. I was I didn't race well, but I was severely heat affected. I had heat, basically heat heat stress um, to the point where there was after Strata, um, I absolutely suffered in Strata, and we got I got back to the hotel in an absolute state, and. Uh, because of COVID, they had a the door. The door to the hotel didn't open. It wasn't motion sensored. It was a temperature sensored. It checked your temperature before the door would open, and I, like my temperature was elevated because of, I had heat stroke, heat stress basically. Um, so he wouldn't let me into the hotel. Saying I oh, had no. a fever, and so I just at that point just like collapsed onto the boiling hot steps outside the hotel in a state. So I had to get my. Luckily, we had an Italian swanier who could. Thing. but I, I i if anyone needed to be let into the air-conditioned hotel uh, yeah. so it's yeah it was difficult to to not race well but i kind of i know why um so the heat shouldn't be such a factor here and it's kind of embarrassing for a queenslander but it's a different kind of heat you know i'm used to i grew up in darwin and brisbane so i'm used to humidity and strata was like 40 i think the average was 43 degrees or something and just dry 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 and it is different heat, like it's a different environment that 
That just sounds so cruel. I really feel for you being stuck outside. I I hope you got a cold shower very quickly afterwards. I can't imagine to get all that dust yeah. off. Yeah, you find that dust for weeks afterwards. Oh, <laughs> well. I, I suppose it um it goes into the question of you know what's changed about this um, new revamped racing season because I know the men were talking about how the Strata dirt was actually different from how it would be in March. And um, obviously the heat's, heat's different and uh, in the Giro Rosa, it's probably going to be a bit colder. So you're more likely to see snow potentially on some of the passes. I don't know. It's not, it's not really a high altitude race maybe this time. but nah, uh, we won't have snow. Uh, I think Giro should be quite nice actually. It should be – it's still – I mean, it's still warm here. It's still 30 degrees at the moment. No, uh, Giro should be really nice. But, yeah, Strata, it was kind of mind-boggling. i just come from winter in Australia. Well, Brisbane winter in Australia, but back to just a summer Strata Bianchi. And two years ago, we drove there in. There, it was bizarre. It was like the first time it had snowed in Tuscan in decades. And we were driving to Strata in the snow, and then it rained overnight. So we rode through five, you know, it was five degrees and raining. We were riding through sludge. Um, and then, yeah, compared to this year where it was absolutely sweltering and dry and dusty because it hadn't rained in. I don't think they have really rainy months, so it's kind of like completely disorienting, really. Would be. Which do what do you prefer? What's your ideal weather condition? It's funny, actually. I I mean, I like. I say I like heat, except that apparently I don't. I don't like dry heat. I like humid heat. But actually, I've had my best races. Some of my best races in in really cold weather. That that race at Strata in 2018 was my first ever classic, and it was absolutely bitterly cold like freezing and that's uh, that i still that's still probably the best race i've ever done um i came fifth in that race and that's probably still uh, you know i've won races but that fifth place in strata in my first ever classic for my first ever pro team it's pretty ridiculous when i think back that's incredible. It was it was, it was good. I remember it was good from an NRS perspective as well because we'd been saying how good you were because um, you'd been dominating. Yeah. You've been dominating <laughs> races over here, yeah. <laughs> and then it all went downhill after that for most of the year. Until Worlds, and I had a really good Worlds that year too, but mm. kind of bookmarked the year with a good race, good races each end and pretty much rubbish in between. Well, yeah, um, speaking of Worlds, we've got the new Worlds course announced. Uh, it's going to be around the Imola. Well, that's where the base of the um, race is in the Imola race circuit. I'm hearing that it's got a lot of climbing, though, involved in it. Um, something over, something between 2,000 and 3,000 metres of climbing for the women's elite race, I think I heard. Um, a bit more for the men's. Uh, it's looking like it's going to be quite similar to the Swiss course, um, which was, again, mountainous. Is this going to be a target for you if you, if you are selected for the rest? Uh, I would disagree that it's similar. I mean, they're trying to they're trying to say it's similar, but uh, that's a real, real stretch. Yes, there's a, there is a lot of elevation still, and it's a very hard course, but it's not similar. Um, the Swiss course, um, you got the climbing, and it was like three climbs um, that were hard. I've ridden that climb, and it was a really hard climb. This is up and down all day, but it's like five laps of a circuit with two little climbs on each. So it's it's not the same at all. It's still a hard course. It'll somewhat suit the same type of rider, but not quite. It'll be hard for sure. It'll be an absolute race of attrition, I think. Um, so the team will be selected in the next couple of days. I think probably by the time it's released, it'll be known. But um, hopefully I'm selected and hopefully you know, we can continue our good run. 
improve on our recent results of the Australian team. You, you probably prefer something a bit more punchy in terms of climbing, like some long, steep climbs in there. Uh, well, these are steep. These are they, they're not easy, but it's. I mean, it's still as I said, it's still a very hard course, and it's got a lot of climbing. But it's not. It's a different type of course. Um, no, so I don't. I don't dislike it, but I probably preferred another one. But I loved the course in Switzerland. It was awesome. It was like a you know four k at ten percent kind of climb. I love that. <laughs> I think you're about the only person who loves that sort of climb. <laughs> I mean, yeah, love it. You know, it's a love hate. I mean, I can't say I probably don't enjoy it at the time, but it's what it suits me pretty well. But yeah, I mean, I haven't haven't seen this new course. It, it'll still be hard for sure. So coming into the Giro Rosa, good luck for that, Lucy. Um, obviously, all of Australia's wishing you well, and we're looking forward to seeing you racing along with your Mitchell and Scott teammates, and of course all the other Australians on various other teams who'll be competing. Thanks for thanks for joining us on the Australian Cycling Insider podcast. Yeah, good to chat with you guys. And Belinda, good luck, Lucy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'll be cheering. I know you will. <laughs> thanks for joining us as well, Belinda. Thanks, Jamie. And uh, you can check us out on Twitter. Uh, make sure you follow SBS to, to see all the highlights of the show and uh, follow the women's racing there. Okay, um, we shall see you later. Thanks. See bye. You. See ya.